a man who is the most delighted man I've ever seen. Now, this man is a, he's a member of our eldership board. He is a man who brings great wisdom into that. But I think that Roger Carnahan just lives his entire life completely delighted. You never see him without a smile on his face. He's always supercharged about city campus. At eldership meetings, he's always championing who we are and what we're doing. Put your hands together. Welcome Roger Carnahan as he comes up today. Roger, come on up here. That is awesome. The second person we have today is a man who needs no introduction for us here in City Campus. This man is not only a father, he's not only a grandfather, he's also a great-grandfather. Lord Jesus, I don't know how the man is still vertical. And he looks so young. He preaches like a teenager. He was our national leader for many years, and he's our missions director today. Put your hands together. Welcome Pastor Bob Lawson as he comes. So good to have him with us today. And thirdly, and finally, but not least of all, we have an incredible man. Now, this man not only sits on our eldership, but he is also the father of thousands, of thousands. Now, that does, luckily doesn't mean he has fathered all of these thousands, but as the principal of our colleges in Elam, this man is a statesman in our nation. He is a fantastic dad, an incredible husband, an amazing leader, and it's a privilege to have you here today, Murray. Put your hands together. Welcome Murray Burton as he comes up today. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, gentlemen, so good to have you guys with us today. That is very exciting. Well, we have some coffees coming. I think, Murray, have you still got yours or have you finished yours? You've finished. Murray's finished his coffee, ladies and gentlemen. What do we say? Oh, it's okay. There'll be more coffee for you later. No worries. Okay, we're going to play a little game as we start, and it is called I Have and I Have Never. And it's a pretty simple game. The story is I'm going to ask you, gentlemen, a number of questions, questions that we want to know all about. And you are simply going to respond by holding up the appropriate side of your donut. Sound all right? This is not a complex right. game. Here we go. A few questions just to get to know each of you first. Thank you, Ithara. That is awesome. So I have or I have never. Now, of course, obviously you want to test manliness. It's Father's Day after all, correct? So first of all, have you ever used a chainsaw? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the presence of manliness. Second one. Have you ever been bungee jumping? That was lucky. All right, next one. Now, this is important for all Kiwi men. Have you ever killed and plucked a chicken? This is exciting. This is, uh, these guys have got so much to look forward to this year, eh? That's wonderful. Have you ever sailed a yacht of any size? Hello. All right, there we go. On your bucket list, Bob. Have you ever ridden a motorbike, an elephant, or a horse? Oh, that's awesome. Very quickly. Which, which, which one of you? Horse and a motorbike, Bob. You've ridden all three. <laughs> Rog? Well done. Do we have microphones for these guys? Oh, you have? Great. Okay, that's awesome. Well done. That's impressive. Well, you've ridden an elephant. Okay, next question. You'll, you'll enjoy this one. Have you ever fallen off a motorbike, an elephant, or a horse? <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, now we're going to get a little more personal because we're men. Have you ever farted in bed? <laughs> I learned it from Dave Youngson. Oh, good on you, Dave, eh? Your influence extends far and wide. 
It's wonderful. All right. Have you ever electrocuted yourself or anybody else? Wow. Great. Okay, and it's important for us to know that Bob is not our health and safety officer. All right. And of course, lastly, have you ever embarrassed your children? <laughs> Wonderful. Let's give these guys a hand. Eh? That's great stuff. Hello. Well, guys, thanks for being here with us today. And, and now we want to dig into some questions uh, as we explore the issue of fathering and, and your example and your experience. But before we get into that, I thought it'd be interesting to ask, what's one underrated skill you think people should have? I'd like to hear from all of you. I'll kick off. I reckon um, I call it generational empathy. Wow. Okay. Do you want to unpack that for us briefly? No. no. <laughs> Very quickly, I think the trap that my father fell into is that he never moved with the generations and kept on comparing what should happen in his generation, and that's, oh, wow. a, that's a fatal mistake. And you disconnect yourself from your kids. How's that? Wow. Thank you, Murray. Brilliant. Great, Great Bob. Okay, uh, I think listening, listening to people, waiting until they finish, saying what they want to say before you answer them. Wow, very good, Bob. Thank you. Rog. Mike, you've asked for one. Of course, Roger being Roger, I'll give you <laughs> two. Come on, my, my first is trivial and trite. Without any question or doubt, it's essential that a man learns how to back a trailer around a corner. <laughs> wow. Anyone else feel the anointing on that one? Thank the you. Se nice. The second one I think I would say is that um, I think it's important to master the art of the seven second rule. And by that I mean, I think it's very important that we uh, can uh, very quickly identify uh, people around us, those people of character and integrity, and we should surround ourselves with those people because my father used to say, you tell a man by the caliber of company that he keeps. Wow. Very good, Roger. Great, Roger. Yep. Very good. Very good. So, Roger, why don't you kick off then? Give us one of your favorite memories of your dad. My dad, um, you, don't, you didn't know him. He's an awesome man. He died more than 20 years ago. Um, he, without doubt, would have to have been the most um, positive, the most optimistic, the most nurturing, the most extraordinary man. Um, he taught me some incredible things. I, I think, and I was thinking during the week, one of the greatest lessons that he taught me, which we passed, tried to pass on to our girls, um, is the simplicity of life. And as a little boy, we used to uh, sail a lot. I was lucky enough to have a dad who took us on holidays. And I'll never forget as a youngster, about six or seven years old, being woken up by my father and my sister, and um, we, we were sitting in the cockpit of our boat, and Dad would insist that we would gaze up into the stars and appreciate the Milky Way, and then he'd lean over with the white bait net, and he'd sweep the net through the water and say, Rog, look there, you see phosphorescence in the water. And then he would, uh, we would walk to the top of the highest hill, and he'd make me lie down in the grass that was taller than me, and I'd look up to the sky, and we would look at the skylarks just hovering, just hovering. And I remember my father distinctly saying to me, Joel Roberts would say, I'm a tight-fisted git saying this, but he would say to me, Rog, that's at no cost, savour it. Wow. 
That's at no cost. So, Roy, just stay with you for a sec. What's, uh, what's one of the greatest pieces of advice that your dad ever gave to you? Um, uh, love your wife was right. an important piece of advice. Right. Love yourself was a second piece of advice. Well, and have a respect for your own capability because God has knitted each and every one of us together in a special way. And our challenge is to reach the potential that God's put inside of us. Fantastic, Roger. Bob, how about you? Tell us a little bit about, about your dad. What, maybe what's one particular memorable moment you had with your father? Okay, well, my, uh, my dad uh, died when I was seven, and um, I never knew him. Uh, he was away from home. He was an evangelist, traveling evangelist, away from home for months at a time. So I've, I have no physical memories of him at all. But my memories of him are very special in the sense that, you know, we've got an album full of photos at home, and, and uh, he took lots of gospel meetings, holding up banners with verses on, and it's quite radical. Uh, and Maggie and I, we've traveled all over New Zealand preaching in churches, and for years, like 30, 40 years after Dad died, people would still come up and say, oh, are you related to the Rob, Rob, Bob Lawson? And, uh, and I'd say, that was my dad, and then they'd tell me, how dad influenced their life and their decision wow. for Christ. So that's my memories of my dad. Wow, that's amazing. And so, so Bob, you obviously never had your dad give you any specific advice, but knowing your dad as you do from afar and through other people, if your dad could say one thing to you now, what do you think your dad would say to you? Give your life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was an evangelist through and through. That's so good. My brothers said they would sit in meetings sometimes if Dad wasn't preaching, and when the altar call come, he'd be nudging them to put their hands up. So <laughs> I'm sure that's what he would say. That is absolutely fantastic. Murray, tell us about your dad. What's one memorable memory you have of your father? I'm a huge believer in the concept of things, some things are caught before they're taught. And... Uh, my one memory, and Dave, you'll be you'll really witness with this. Uh, years ago, I was in an ancient thing called Youth for Christ, Certain Sounds, which was a band that travelled the country up and down doing concerts and um, and uh, high schools and so on. And I did that three times, three years in, a, in, a, in a, almost in a row. The very first band I was ever in, the very first time, uh, we were about to take the stage in Wellington Town Hall. For our, for our concert, and we always had a prayer time. Um, and my father was a, was a huge man of God. I mean, it's easy to say that now, but he was just a very general, gentle, humble man of God. We were all standing in a circle with our arms around each other, praying for that God would really move that night and, and many people would come to Christ. And I suddenly became aware um, that he was there. So dad had travelled, mum and dad had travelled all the way from, from Palmerston North, which is, you know, not, not the back of beyond, I suppose. He came to Wellington, joined us for the prayer meeting. That meant so much to me because my dad was not a man sort of a man. He was just a short, skinny guy. Um, for 20 or 30 of his last years of life, he battled with cancer. It came, it went. But he had a real passion for Jesus. Um, the other memory, Mike, I throw into that is this, 
dad had such a desire to see people come to the Lord that he would put a huge coat on on a Sunday afternoon in Palmerston North, and it was pretty wet and windy, that place. Uh, and he would go downtown and walk the streets to seek men to share with. Wow. Wow. Probably not a good way to evangelize, but he didn't know what else to do but to get out and tell people about Jesus. Uh, things are caught before they're taught, guys. Wow. I caught something of that, and it's never left me. Wow. Mm. That's so good. So let's roll on from that, and because I, I just want to, I think that what we're touching on here is so important, because the impact clearly in each of your lives from your dads is immense, and without, without wanting to offend anyone, none of us are in our 20s here anymore. What, what do you think it was that made your dad influential in your life? Now, obviously, sons have a, an inbuilt desire to make their dads proud. Why is it that we can sit here all these years later and I can still see tears in your eyes when you talk about your dads? What do you think it is? What is, what is it that a dad has that he passes on to his sons that is so important? Um, well, I'll, I'll kick off. I mean, it's a huge question. You can go on forever. You could preach a sermon on this one, Mike. Um, I got a text from my daughter today, and, you know, the, the typical Father's Day thing, thanks, Dad, for being who you are. She talked about my consistency. Um, and look, forgive me if you were in our, one of our assemblies on Friday, because I shared this. Um, a father is always a father. Mm. Once a father, always a father. Can you ever imagine God saying, well, I was your father, but I'm over you. You're a pathetic bunch. I can't be bothered anymore. Um, I don't want to be it. No way. You're once a father, always a father. And whether you live with mistakes, you live with regrets, or you're up or you're down, you're always their father. And so the whole concept, Mike, of a consistency of dad day in, day out, that's what I remember. I I, I remember my dad losing the plot. I remember him actually chasing me with a belt. I was the black sheep of the family. Um, I was always the one that tried smoking and shoplifting. No one else did anything like that. but I also, also knew that he had my back, absolutely had my back through everything. Wow. That's what I offer my kids. I says, no matter what, I have your back. Consistency. I, I love the word, and, and I was going to steal the word, but you flogged it ahead of me. I, I think that whole subject of um, consistency and constancy um, is, is absolutely imperative for children to feel uh, safe and feel nurtured and feel equal one with the other, because at the end of the day, each and every one of our children is wired so, so differently. Um, Having said that, um, I I think the other thing we learn from God, apart from consistency and constancy, is the fact that our God is a God of uh, second chances. He has extraordinary grace. He has extraordinary mercy. He has extraordinary forgiveness. But he's also got extraordinary insight and hope for us as children and so uh, each and every one of us have gone through the process with our own families where they've tripped up but for us to be there just as our God is there um, is something which is so so powerful so then let me let me let's take it down to you gentlemen then what are some of what's one of your most memorable moments as a dad I think, I think for me, the, like one thing always 
hits me and, and brings me back to, you know, just the vulnerableness of being a dad, I guess, it was the birth of our first child, of our son, and seeing this new baby there that somehow we've made and is ours, and, and it just absolutely blew me away and, and did for, for hours. You know, I remember driving home from the hospital and, and, and thankfully no one else was in the car, but just sort of singing and the, <laughs> and the overwhelming joy. But I think the power of that moment has never, ever left me mm. of the vulnerability that, you know, how can I be a great dad to this amazing gift and, and, the, and the specialness of each of our children. Wow. So That's great, Bob. So That's moments, great. That's great. That's great. Rog? I, I um, without doubt, uh, Sue and I have been blessed with four children and we've been through that on four occasions, which is just incredible. But beyond that, I think the transition and the handover, the whole concept of leaving and cleaving the family is, is, is so important as um, earthly parents, just the same as uh, heavenly parents in the context that major event in my life was seeing three of my daughters getting married and it was the whole issue of I have total and absolute confidence that Sue and I have done our best. Great. Now it's time to pass the baton Great. and that baton then is passed on to the next person and the toughest job as parents that I, Sue and I experience is on the one hand you want to be there but on the other hand it's hey we've done as much as we can do, and now it's time to pass over. Mm, great. What was, it, what was it like watching your daughter, or walking your daughter down the aisle and handing her over to a man? That's the cruelest thing to ask, because you know it. <laughs> for people that know me, I'm hopelessly emotional. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. But it was just glorious. I'll never, ever forget it. Wonderful. Incredible. Thanks, Incredible. Because you know the concept of handing over the baton in a race is you don't throw it. Yeah. At wow. the, the runner, right? You actually are holding that baton together for a long time. Wow. And then after you, and I'm no runner, my goodness, I mean, but apparently uh, after you've even handed it over, you're still running beside that runner for, for quite a few metres. So translate that into life. Great. Hey, my story is quite different. Um, I'll tell you, one of my kids, the most special moment is with my younger son, JK, Jackson. Um, Jackson was a different kid. And as the principal of a highly academic school, he just couldn't wait to get out of school. So it was quite mortifying, really. To think <laughs> um, we didn't do it well for him. But he chose the military. And for five years, he was in the military. And, yep, I agree. And the most amazing moment for me was um, we farewelled him uh, in, a, in May of 2008. And it was a crazy thing watching all these guys get on an army bus with a small backpack, and they all had an ironing board. It's the most weirdest picture you'd ever seen, because I mean, you know, they didn't even know what an ironing board was, but they took their own ironing board. Over three months later, these guys were fashioned into amazing guys. Mm. Now look, they weren't perfect, they probably swore like troopers, hope Jackson didn't, um, but they had been through uh, what they called the, the coldest winter in Wairu. And we went down to the march out parade. This is after basic training. And we, we sat on the parade ground, which is hallowed turf in the military. 
Um, and then we heard them coming. We heard the, the marching band for a start, the music. Then we watched the guys come. And they came on to the parade ground and for, for an hour and a half, or it seemed like that, maybe it wasn't that long, they absolutely strutted their stuff. No one was out of order. Wow. Not an eyelid was out of touch. You know, it was just magic stuff. Then to stand by him and have photographs and that sort of thing, <coughs> kind of a man's man thing, but he did it. Yeah, he made it on. through. So good. And then there's a lot more story after that, but it was very special. That is amazing. That uh, is wonderful. If I can say one thing, and this is... Um, I, I spoke earlier about my dad and enjoying the, the simple things of life. And uh, <laughs> as funny as anything, when, when Sue and I were living in Australia for a number of years, we came back to New Zealand for a, and, and whilst um, which daughter Amelia was um, about to be born, I had time on my hands. So I'd take the girls every single day before I got my job. Every day we would go up a different mountain in Auckland. It was Mount Albert, it was Mount Hobson, it was Mount Wellington, it was Mount Roskill, it was Mount Mangere, whatever it was. The simple things of life. And another occasion I loved with the kids, we would wait till the wettest, nastiest, windiest day possible, and Sue would be saying, go on, go on, get, get the kids out of the house, which we would, and we'd put on our gumboots, and we'd put on our rain hats and our raincoats, and we'd walk through the um, Waitakere Ranges, and the kids would follow me, and I'd have a little white bag, and in the little white bag was what we would call emergency rations. Not a $3 emergency, it was 50 cent mix, you call them in those days. Anyway, it wasn't until years later Laura, who's the most outspoken of my girls, said to me, Dad, I hated walking. I just loved hanging out with you, though. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, let me ask this question then. As a dad, what are you most scared of? Yeah, I, I can't think of anything I'd say I'm scared of because I think life's life and you go through stuff. Great point. And I think when you know God and God's there, it, it takes it away. But, yeah. I, but I think, you know, I, you just hate anything to happen to your mm, kids, mm. grandkids, whatever, Great. you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I have the same. You, you hate the idea of um, bad choices being made, bad decisions being made, and children being hurt. Yeah. Very good. I guess mine's around, simply around humanity. I'm actually scared that there will come a time when I can't fix it for them. Wow. Is that all right? That's great. Yeah. That is a great answer. And I think that it's interesting because our, our job description to some, to some degree is to be a strong person in our families. And yet uh, I have never been more, felt more vulnerable, felt more weak, felt more a failure than in my role as a dad. So I, I think that is fantastic. Let me ask you this then. How is your, uh, how's your experience of being a father or a dad, how's that impacted your experience and relationship with God? God, of course, is portrayed as a good, good father, as, as the one who looks over us and watches over us. As a dad, how has being a dad changed how you perceive God? Well, I think God being our Father is, is the greatest name of God, the greatest relationship that we have. You know, I mean, there's 90-something other names, you know, Almighty, all those things. But, you know, that he's our Father is, is incredible. And I think how it helps with having the children is, is, again, you know, your love for the kids, the interaction. You know, you, you think from, from the very youngest, they absolutely trust you. Mm. They reach it the way they hug you. 
and that is just something you can't can't emulate or you know it's it's just and you think that God loves me like that wow. you love them just you know, he loves me despite all my imperfections yeah. weaknesses everything else but that's how he loves me that's great. that's great Bob. I think it's one of those things when um, as the song says when all is stripped away and our uh, earthly father uh, you know is not there forever mm. our mm. children are not there forever in the context of living with us. They're there and we're overseeing them. But our Heavenly Father is always there. And that's mm. something which is um, through everything, through good times and bad times, mm. through adversity, through joy, through celebration, he, as the passage says, will never leave or forsake us. And that to me is mm. extraordinary. And it's also a function of how the learning from our Heavenly Father has to relate to us as earthly fathers. That fact that that will never be taken away from us. That's great, Rich. That's good. These days I tend to muse quite often on the concept of the shepherd and the guardian. So I feel in my job I'm a guardian of what comes into my school and, and or the shepherd, and you don't want to, I don't want to take that away, but I think Mike is a shepherd, these guys are shepherds. We're shepherds in our family. And I'm just so struck by the fact that, um, you know, sheep are pretty dumb things, really. And I've been really dumb in my life. I've done dumb things, but God is the, Jesus is the shepherd, amazing. Um, what does he do? He lays his life down for the sheep. And, you know, in Psalm 23, it talks about he prepares a table for me. Not, he doesn't say, come to the table in church. He says, I'm going to prepare a table for you right where you are amongst the stuff that you can't solve, amongst the things you can't fix, amongst the people who want to get at you, amongst your own dumb decisions, I prepare a table for you, I come to my table. And the more I experience fatherhood, the more I think about God as my ultimate shepherd. Thanks for hanging in there, God. That's wonderful. In psychology, they say that one of the biggest problems that we face as human beings is that we develop limiting beliefs. Things that we believe are true that then limit us in being able to move on from that. And I think one of the most profound beliefs that we can have is the belief that we can change. So let me ask perhaps a, a slightly more personal question. If there was something as a dad that you wished you could go back and do better or do more of or maybe change, and I ask this to be a point of encouragement for every dad here who, while I'm sure it is stoked to be it's Father's Day, loves the, the role and the, the privileges that come with it. Uh, if, if any other dads here like me, I know I also carry deep regrets. And I think it's so profoundly important for me to realize that it's never too late. I can always make a change. I can always lift my game. Um, what's one thing maybe f- for each of you that if you could go back and just lift your game off, if there's one thing you wished you could do more of, if there's one thing you intend to do more of as you go forward as a dad, what would that be? To, to me, it's um, time, and to me, it's outward focus. And one of the things um, I loved when... Uh, my, my dad was amazing in that he would get on the phone and he would say, so tell me about the week. Hmm. 
And what I mean by outward focus, not inward focus, and, and that to me is something which, if, if I would have, um, uh, not, not a regret, but a, 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 an attention or a focus on right now, it's that. Staying close to the children. Now I've got three in New Zealand, I've got one overseas. I need to remind myself constantly to ring and say, what's going on in your life? Because that really communicates something so in good. terms of the fact that you give a hoot, you know? That's so good. I think that's a, that's a great bit of advice, I'm sure, for some dads here today. Uh, Bob? Yeah, well, I, I think it's, it's time, time individually. Um, I think my, re my regrets, that if I went back, is any time I made a choice, not, for instance, I always think of one, one time one of my daughters was doing a performance with school and uh, I went out and, and visited a family. And, you know, it was just the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life. Wow. And, and, you know, the whole, anyway, but that sort of decision, you know, your kids, you never ever get that opportunity back. So and I got, a, I got a phone call coming to church this morning from my son, and uh, he's only just over 50. And he said, Dad, he said, you know, we just need to spend a bit more time together. Wow. And he talked about a few things, and I thought, wow, doesn't so change. Good. Great, Bob. So good. Uh, can I just come at it from a different way? I actually think, and Mike, hearing you say, you know, you've got regrets, I probably have too. That's the sort of stuff, the regret factor is, I think, the stuff that eats at us and uh, stops us being who we should be today as fathers. For goodness sake, um, no one's perfect. Mm. Um, I, I try actively not to think about regrets like mm. that. Good. Unless they're a motivating factor to be different. But, you know, we, we all got so many things wrong. And these guys have just spoken such truth, because love is spelled T-I-M-E. Of course it is. Um, but you can't get back that time anyway. So what today can okay. I do? I want to give you one little illustration. Um, my father, when he used to go out to meetings, he used to get a ride because we only had one car. I had the bedroom on the corner of the house beside the driveway. When Dad would go out to meetings at night, um, I knew he was away. And I guess there was a factor in which, oh, Dad's not there, a little bit of edginess. Um, and then later in the evening, I would, should be asleep, but I would hear his footsteps coming down the drive. Mm. And I knew they were Dad's footsteps. Mm. I can hear them today, Mike. Mm. Um, whether he just wore the same shoes, I'm not too sure. I can know his footsteps. The whole anxiety levels go down. Dad's home. Mm. I can hear those footsteps. I can hear his voice today ringing up and just like for, for Roger, you know, how you doing, mate? Um, I just want my kids, in spite of all the regrets, stuff I haven't done, to know my voice and almost know my footsteps. That would be good. Can, can I, um, Mark, just add, add a comment? Yeah, just as the team come, right here. Ju ju just real quick. Um, it, one of the things I love about my wife, who's um, blessed me, God has, with four incredible women, daughters, and I, I say to her, about, I say about my wife, that girl has more love than those four girls can receive because she spreads her love to a lot of people. And, and the guys in this room right now who are not dads, or they've had dads, situations that have mucked up along the way. But what I want to say is this, 
you know, the whole issue of old men caring for young men or men caring for other men from a mentoring perspective is incredible. So never ever underestimate the value or the power of being a dad to not necessarily your own natural dads, if you're, your children, question. should I say. That's great.